I'm Damien Fowler. And I'm Eileen Sliffering. And welcome to this edition of The Current Podcast. We talked to the biggest names in digital marketing, and this week we sit down with Stacey Beckman, CEO at Time Out Media. Time Out Media operates local lifestyle news sites and live events in markets across the globe. Local journalists cover everything from new restaurants in town to must-see theatre, including topics spanning culture, travel and entertainment. With over 25 years of media experience at companies like Hearst and Condé Nast, Stacy now leads Time Out Media and franchises around the world. Stacy first joined Time Out in 2018 as Managing Director of Sales and has become CEO this year. We kick off our conversation with Stacy by asking about the intricacies of marketing a global brand in local destinations. I think a good place to start is just to pull back the lens for a moment and give you a sense of the only reason I'm sitting here talking to the two of you is because of a man named Tony Elliott, who in 1968 started literally sitting at his kitchen table with some friends, started a magazine that was really focused on giving people information on where to go and enjoy the best of what at the time was London. So As we progressed as a brand, we expanded into print in different cities. In 1995, we came to New York, and then everything grew from that place in terms of this expertise across the market. So whether you're in Barcelona, LA, Chicago, London, there is somebody with an authentic voice will certainly tell you to go to the London Eye and the Empire State Building. But the beauty of what the the brand does is it'll give you that inside place, that inside go-to, that inside things that people won't know. And that's really the best way to enjoy uh, the city. So that's where that global versus local comes comes into play. Time Out is really almost more of like a media company that's like almost married to a hospitality company in a way with the Time Out markets you have. So can you tell us a little bit about what's happening in like North America and then around the world? Sure. I, I mean, I think I'll go back to the the media part just for a moment and then walk into the, the markets, because as you said, it's we're a traditional media company that meets a hospitality company. And I don't think there's any place globally, there's not another company out there that allows that access. So it's the personification. The markets are actually a personification of our content. The markets are put together in terms of localization, Every market that we have opened has been in an emerging area where we both will serve not only the local community, but the tourist community. Each space is looked at with an eye for a cultural space. So we can do something along the lines of uh, anywhere from a salsa dancing class to a yoga class to a discussion panel to a comedy night all the way through a DJ. So it is really that mixed media that we're able to include. It gives us an opportunity to have a perfect brand extension. And how do you go about like curating these events? Here's what what has really happened as offering the best of the city. The focus is people want to work with us, want to come to us, want to be part of our brand because of our content and because of our consumer. It is a very interesting mix in terms of authenticity of its content and mix of demographics and psychographics of who our audience and who our consumer is. And those two things coming together really are a powerful punch in terms of bespoke events and campaigns that we can offer. So I'll I'll talk about Maybelline just as an example. From a perspective of what their KPIs were, 
were looking for a younger audience. They were looking for a mix of audience of men and women and age group. And they were looking for a consumer that's going out. And our content that they were most interested is our dating content. What happens when you start going out and you start dating? You're putting makeup on. So what we were able to do is not only have a a cross-digital platform, meaning our website, newsletters, CRM, all the disciplines within the media group, but also extended into a speed dating event at the New York market and markets across the country. We had experts for helping people uh, take photographs for their profiles, update their Instagram. So it was a really 360 solution to the campaign offerings. There wasn't one part of our media discipline that we didn't uh, touch on that one. It is our content and our audience that really does set us apart in terms of that authenticity of the local, the national, and the global footprint that we're able to achieve. As you all know, we've moved away from print and we've focused on where our audience is really living. And as I said, that's going to be the the site, our video expansion, our social media expansion, and the like. And, And our CRM solutions are quite strong as well. The DNA of the Time Out brand is that that through line of what the brand offers. It's always been there and it's been refined over the years. And I, I'm just interested in how do you characterize the DNA of the Time Out brand, if that's not too scientific a question? We exist for the same reason that we existed 55 years ago, was to give people the ability to enjoy the best of the city. What we've been able to do is expand our reach across multiple platforms. And we're a legacy brand that's very agile. The fundamental reason why we've been able to succeed over the last 55 years, how we got through the pandemic, and really the success that we're experiencing today is that we stay true to the DNA of the brand. Has the shift to digital made a big difference to the way your vendors and advertisers can find those specific markets and people looking for those things? I mean, how does that work now? The shift to digital was really quite an easy one because what we did is we followed our audience. And that, I think, is the easiest way to answer that question. So not only has the reach locally and nationally and globally expanded, But whether it's through social channels that we're doing or branded content and the website itself has grown from an audience perspective. So it's been an organic growth from that. And it's been also a strategic one because we wanted to make sure that we were in the places where we knew our consumers were. And that was was actually no longer in the world of print. That was really I mean, everybody you see everyone walking around with their phones. So I would say globally, close to 85 percent of our traffic is through our mobile. Now, you say that, of course, like Time Out is all about getting people out and about and doing things. But obviously that changed during the pandemic. And actually Time Out did a really clever thing, in my opinion, and rebranded itself as Time In, which is (laughs) pretty fun. Obviously, an acknowledgement of stay-at-home mandates. So how did that impact the publication's like marketing efforts at that time? And then how would you say like maybe the strategy has changed post-pandemic? Yes, we were forced into a very, very quick reinvention when we went from literally time out to time in, which was a, an interesting, fascinating, nerve-wracking decision to make, but a really, really good one. Because what happened is we took all of the existing content in terms of restaurants, food, drink, experiences, and shifted so that everyone had the ability to do that at home. So the idea was we talked about what you can be streaming, what cocktails you can be making, the kind of foods that you can be preparing. 
So it was a it was an interesting seminal shift that we needed to make. So we not only did we keep our existing audience engaged and active, in fact, we found a new group of consumers in terms of the time and when it came to entertainment, because everybody was looking for something to stream, something to watch. And so the time in uh, Hub on our nav bar still remains because we realized that that was equally important. As much as we're all going out on a regular basis, nobody's going out 24 hours a day, seven days a week. So in an unfortunate set of circumstances, it gave us an opportunity to even increase our reach greater. You know, you do have like such a large global monthly audience, 70 million people, if I'm not mistaken. How do you guys go about like building that audience? What are some of like the channels you're using to target maybe even younger audiences? I know social media is a large part of your strategy, but are there platforms that evolve during this process? So what you will see is the Gen Z, Gen Zers to millennials all the way up to someone in their 40s and 50s are part of our audience. And the reason that's happening is because we are so active on Instagram. We are so active um, on TikTok. So we're building a younger audience while still keeping the older end of the spectrum. So it's a really interesting consumer that is coming to the brand. Everybody wants to know the best restaurant to go to. Everybody wants to know what the best museum, best gallery, the best new thing to stream in. So you've got a, a tremendous amount of different demographics and psychographics coming to the site for a variety of reasons and, the, and thus the organic growth. And also what we are doing is expanding our footprint in terms of growing our cities, growing our footprint nationally in the States. Um, we're moving into different cities in the UK and across the globe as well from an expansion perspective. As a Gen Xer, I can certainly say that, that the brand has remained strong for me, a reliable source of information about any given city. Definitely. And for me, <laughs> as a millennial, <laughs> yeah. I can say that it really helped me when I came to like New York nine yeah. years ago now, and I didn't know what the hell I was doing or where to go. <laughs> well, I love to hear that. Um, if I may just pivot now a little bit more to talk about your career, and I know that you've held uh, roles as a publisher and associate publisher positions at Hearst, and before that you were at Condé Nast for more than two decades. Could you talk about the highs and lows of those experiences with those big major name publishers in, in terms of how well the industry has evolved since then, or maybe not so well? Sure. What I got from those was the ability from critical thinking, knowing how to manage, knowing the best way to manage, knowing what I would never do if I had the opportunity to be in another leadership position. And I pride myself on following five tenets that I, I talk about in terms of how we run a business. And that is strategy, which is almost the easiest part. We know what our brand is, where we are the best of the city. We help people go out. And we talk about process and how we do things and how we bring a consistency across not only the U.S. and the U.K., but globally. And then there, there are three really important factors that come into play. And this is drawn from my experience at Condé Nast and Hearst is how you build communication, how you build proactivity and how you build a culture. And it's all of those five things that come together because building a culture is really the most important thing. And the critical part of a success is that a team wants to be together, is passionate about a brand, and everything comes from that. So it's that combination of five tenants that really sets our team, our organization, apart from some of the experiences that I have, may have had at other bigger, larger companies. Just off the back of that point about building a culture and building a community, I'm interested in how you do that through the content you also publish. Could you talk about that a little bit? 
Yes, and it's it's a testament to uh, the content team because yes, the DNA, DNA of the brand, as you said, is about going out and experiencing. But there's more to it than that. We we go across a multitude of channels, whether that's culture, food and drink, what we're streaming, what we're watching, and we don't have a channel that's just dedicated to LGBTQ plus community. It is woven into the fabric of everything we do. It is at the heart of the way we talk to our audience, we talk to our consumer, and how we integrate everything into our partnership activations as well. You talk about the the more substantive things that we uh, experience. We will not give you a political view because we want our audience to be able to form that on their own, but we will give you information on things that are happening within your local city, whether it's a march or there's something that's going on to let people know about it. We take a, a neutral position on it, but it's about information and it's about sharing and it's about the ability for our editors to be able to allow our consumers to think broadly. And so besides the depth of it outside of, you know, what's the most exciting place to go or what's the best exhibit to see, it's that very thoughtful, inclusive part of our content that is another key to the differentiation of our brand. Yeah, I mean, content curation really is an art and an art that Time Out has absolutely mastered. And content is king for us. It's it's one of the things that I feel most strongly about is it all starts with the content that we're producing, which then really creates the interest on our audience. And that's what people come to us for from a business perspective is our content and our audience. I will go back to that time and time again. Yes, we have great ideas that we can wrap around that. But at the very, very heart, it's that substantive legacy DNA of the brand that has not changed. And I think that the beauty of a brand that's been around for 55 years is that we stayed true to who we were. That is the reason that not only we came out of the 60s and the 80s, and as you mentioned, the dot-com and the recession and the pandemic, we came out of a lot of things and we came out of them stronger because of the strategy that we were afforded ourselves to be thoughtful, not only in the marketing and advertising business side of it, but from the content side of it as well. So we're journalists here at The Current who've worked in major publications as well as the trade pubs. And often it seems publishers have been perhaps the least nimble when it comes to adapting to changes in the way advertising is transacted. Do you think that's still a challenge or are publishers now better able to tap those multi-channel solutions you talked about? I love that question because it depends on what company you're sitting at in the in the current. And the thing that I love about, and I think I've mentioned it before earlier in the conversation, is the legacy brand, but with a huge amount of agility. Time out as a company, one of the things that we're so good at is the agility of adapting and including. And what we've been able to do is when we see something that's a good idea, we have the ability to make fast, quick, smart decisions. So we have allowed ourselves to get through some of those problematic times that other publishers have not been able to do. And whether that was expanding our social channels or expanding our city footprint or ceasing print, we were able to make fast decisions that not only benefited the business side of it, but benefited our consumers. So it is, uh, it is one of the things that I can say we do quite well here is that agility perspective. The jury is still out on where AI, artificial intelligence, is really taking us. And, you know, there's contrary opinions on both sides. What are your thoughts on AI and its impact on what you do? Would you consider it a threat or is it more of an ally? It goes back to that same concept that we were just talking about, being agile. AI is here. It's not going anywhere. It will only continue to evolve. 
the first place I see it as a tool, not only from a production of content, from and as, soon, as the smarter AI gets, the smarter we will get along with it. We also realize that we have to teach our consumers to understand how to use it because the better our consumers are at using it, the more beneficial it is. I do not see it as a threat. I see it as an expansion tool initially. And then what we are doing is keeping up with every day, every second, every hour, however you want to split the time is, there's something new to learn about AI. And we will see how it evolves. But AI is here. And I don't think we've even begun to see the positive impacts that it can have on a business. And of course, with any new technology, there are going to be negatives. And we have to make sure that we are protecting our brand and our industry, as everyone is saying. Whether And that would be if you're in the, the tech field, the media business, the science, you know, medical, it doesn't matter. I think everybody's looking at to see how they can best use it as not only a, um, a learning tool, an amplification tool, research tool, what have you. But it will definitely have an impact on the business. It's we have to be smart and agile enough to incorporate it at the right moments as it as it grows. We have not a- adapted or adopted anything um, on the site as of yet, but we are certainly looking at testing what we can do, how we can expose it to our audience. And we want to, as I said earlier, I think the most important thing is the governance, the attribution, and what it can do for us as a as a growth tool. One of the things that's characteristic of Time Out is that human touch, which is, you know, you know, have people on the ground in cities that know these places that, you know, have not been written about, that don't exist, as it were. You know, they're not widely known by large language models. So that's that. That's what that curation thing to me means. And I feel positive that, you know, we won't be replaced by AI because we need that. Correct. I think the human touch, the human aspect of what you mentioned is critical to what differentiates the brand um, um, among our competitive set and in in the global media footprint is that human touch, is that irreverence, is that the best of the city, that's the inside look uh, that nobody else can give you is because we do have so many experts and journalists and local editors on the ground able to look around the corner and find the uh, speakeasy that's behind the ice cream shop and be able to tell our readers and our users that you have to wear a certain kind of shoe in order to get in. And that is not machine learning. That is that is experiential. That is the reason we can say that we are the best of the city because of that uh, human touch, that uh, that irreverence, that expertise. And that's the fun part about it. That's really where it. we really get to, we really get, and I say we, it's really the content team gets to show their muscle and their smarts in, in terms of being able to do that. There's one other question that just popped into my head. I just wanted to ask you, you know, you, you talk about expanding to different cities. What was the latest, do, do you happen to know where the latest um, timeout city would be, um, where, where you've just, you know, kind of rolled out the publication or targeted the publication, I should say? Well, the the markets um, are moving, you know, the, that footprint and there's certain things. And you know, if I were to show you a map of the world, there'd be pushpins all over where we're looking for expansion. But we just announced Saka, Barcelona. Um, so you, you'll see an expansion of that. And what we're doing from a U.S. perspective and a U.K. perspective and then the rest of the regions is growing that national footprint. So we're expanding. Of course, we're in New York, L.A., Chicago, Miami, Seattle, across the board, but we're expanding our footprint in those cities and then looking at, obviously, all the top DMAs uh, across the globe where we see opportunity.
And that's it for The Current. Stay tuned because next time we'll have Doug Frisby, VP of Global Business Marketing at Snapchat. You know, the underlying belief is that if you serve your community and you create a platform or a product that hundreds of millions of people and eventually a billion people want to use, that the business aspect of it will eventually take care of itself. The Current is produced by Wonder Media Network. Our theme is by Love and Caliber. The Trade Dust team includes Chris Brooklier and Kat Bessie. And remember, we're a 55-year-old brand, but with a startup mentality. And as we look through every emerging new platform, we are constantly evolving and growing. I'm Damien. And I'm Elise. And we'll see you next time. 